Hey everybody, welcome back to The Hustle, it's John Lamoureux. Okay, this week we are talking to one of the most recognizable voices in pop music, certainly in dance music, the great Martha Wash. Now I think for years, you're probably, you may be familiar with Martha's story, I feel like for years she, it was sort of, she was sort of mysterious and in the background, but I feel like over the last decade, decade or two, her story is out there. So if you don't know, back in the 70s, she and her musical partner, Isora Rhodes, became background singers for Sylvester. Remember Sylvester? Disco heaven, that guy. Anyway, she started singing with her, and they became two tons of fun. A couple of big black ladies just singing their hearts out. Well, the two tons of fun eventually changed their name to the Weather Girls, and they have that gigantic hit, It's Raining Men. Okay? Novelty song, disco anthem. From there, she starts to sort of primarily do backing and vocalizing on club and dance hits. In fact, she's sort of known as the queen of clubland. She's had 12 number one songs on the dance charts, including the one you're listening to right here. She is the everybody dance now lady, not the lady Zelma Davis that's included in the video. It is Martha Wash. And we talk about all of this. I mean, she she also sang on Everybody, Everybody by Black Box. And uh, we she actually fought to change the legislation so that everybody would be credited accurately on albums and be paid accurately as well. For as many huge hits as she sang, she was not accurately being paid or recognized for her work. And she fought to fix it and it has been fixed. I hope it's been fixed. I mean, I'm not on the inside, but hopefully it's been fixed. That is going to be one of her legacies. Anyway, she is one of the first ladies of disco. You may remember we had Linda Clifford on here about a year ago. Fantastic conversation. I love that lady. And she's involved in this as well. Uh, they go on tour together. They, you know, three or four of them will go out to a package show. Uh, there's also the ultimate disco cruise happening in February. By pure coincidence, last week's guest, George McRae, is also involved in that in this cruise. It just so happened that these two are running back to back. So Martha is involved in that as well. We talk about it in here. She's busier now than ever. She also put out an album in 2013 that I think is really special. And I we talk about it in here. I want to make you guys aware of it. It's called Something Good. And it is very different than what you would expect. It is not a dance album. It sounds, it's a pop rock album sang with her beautiful gospel-y voice. It's almost like something Sheryl Crow would do. Anyway, there is so much to uncover in this story. Maybe you know all this, maybe you don't. But just to think that this lady's voice is on all of those hits and that for years she wasn't accurately being credited for her work is astonishing. And the fact that she went out and fixed it is even better. So anyway, I hope you enjoy this conversation. As you guys know, I love music like this. She called me from her home in Long Island. So Martha Wash, as I mentioned, I have been wanting to talk to you for years because I just know you have one of the most interesting stories of anyone in practically in like pop music history. Um, so much of that has to do with being the behind the scenes lady on things that regular people may not even realize the accolades the cl queen of clubland, the lawsuits all of it there's so much to talk about but first and foremost i don't always begin for at the beginning but i would assume somebody with as powerful a voice as you have had to have started or found your voice in the church would that have been true that is true <laughs> yeah were you guys a deeply religious family growing up 
Yeah, my parents were both uh, very deeply religious. Uh, I started singing when I was three years old. Mm. And my mother, who loved to sing, she sang in the church choir and everything. So she was the one who really encouraged me to sing. And um, the only music that I could listen to growing up in the house was gospel music, and that uh, was it. Mm. I, I wondered specifically if... You know, I've heard Donna Summer, back when she was alive, talk about, or I've heard about the sort of, you know, she came, she grew up in the church too, and was deeply religious as well. And then she became embraced mm-hmm. by like the gay community and disco music, and she, she right. had hair and all that stuff. And there was some conflict going on internally with her about mm-hmm. her upbringing, her religious upbringing and what she, what the kind of life she was sort of involved in. Did you ever have any of those same kind of conflicts? No. Oh, good for uh, you. Not, Interesting. Not, not for me. I, <laughs> I'll put it like this. As far as the LGBTQ community, I've been involved with them all the way back to Sylvester. Mm-hmm. They have always been my uh, largest fan base, I would have to say, mm. because it started with him. Yeah. And so it's, it's continued over the decades. My philosophy has always been God is the judge. Mm. He, he's also the creator. So if people believe that he did not create mistakes, yeah. then whoever is here on this earth that is born here, that has lived and died here, who may be different from other people, are still his creation. Amen to that. And they're all, <laughs> and they're all created in love because yeah. God is love. Yeah. So I, that's how I look at that. Good. I'm totally with you. And, you know, you mentioning the judging part, wouldn't, just in general, wouldn't the world be a better place if, if Christians and non-Christians alike just assumed that, well, if that, if, if there is a God, let him sort, let him figure that out. If someone is going, if being gay or being whatever is wrong, then let that be between that person and God. I don't need to judge or exactly. or, or oppress exactly. or anything. You know what I mean? Exactly, because we as humans, we tend to put our own, I want to say, spin on mm-hmm. things, being human beings, and we all have our own differences of opinions and feelings and things like that. So... When when it comes to judging others for whatever reason, mm-hmm. we also have we're also putting in our own thoughts yeah. and judgment about yeah. the next person. Whereas God, since He created the person, knows the person better than you do. Yep. So I leave it all up to God. Since yep. again. It's his creation and knows him better than you. Yep, it's so true. It's so true. Um, so how did you, I would imagine, I mean, was it at least a shock to your system to go from this young church, you know, gospel all-star like you were to suddenly singing with Sylvester? Maybe the most flamboyant entertainer we've ever known? Well, uh, not really. My parents weren't necessarily my parents weren't necessarily <laughs> happy. Right. But I told, in particular, I told my mother. Uh, I said, "Look, gospel, she wanted me to be a gospel singer," mm-hmm. and I told her, "I said, look, 
uh, I'm going to be singing gospel probably for the rest of my life because that is that is my foundation in music. Mm-hmm. So I'll always sing gospel in in one way or the other. I said, I'm just going to be singing a different genre of music. Mm-hmm. That's all. Mm-hmm. You know, and it kind of took them a while to get <laughs> to get themselves together. But eventually, uh, when we would do large shows, depending on where it was, they would come out to the show mm-hmm. and support us. Good. So, yeah, so I couldn't, you know, I can't fault them for for that. They just had their own, again, going back to mm-hmm. being human <clears throat> right. and 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 the the teachings and dogma of religion and all this other kind of stuff mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh that's how they felt which yeah. is fine yeah. but they you know they, they sooner or later got on board nice you know yeah nice when you and is i've never known how to pronounce her name isora 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 yeah. okay when you and isora become and i think that you were labeled two tons of fun at while you were backing up sylvester is that correct right Okay. Correct. So you and Izora, you become the backup singers to one of the, you know, one of the hottest artists of his time, and he's having huge hits like over and over and whatnot. When you, you know, you had, I, I think you grew up, what, in San Francisco or Oakland? Somewhere in the Bay yes, Area. San Francisco, yeah. Okay. Your life yeah. must have just become technicolor all of a sudden, right? Uh, it really kind of slowly evolved. Oh, really? I'll put it like that. Okay. Yeah. It didn't, it, it was nothing going on overnight. No. Hmm. No, because we were, we were still singing in small clubs and, things like that. He was kind of starting his career, I want to say, over again. Mm-hmm. He had done, he had put out some previous albums, and he had uh, worked in Europe for a while. So I think he was kind of, he was starting all over again as far as putting a new mm-hmm. band together, a new sound, that whole thing, and that's where we came in. And as we started singing with him, yeah, it was a, it was a slow build. Mm-hmm. It was really a slow build. Yeah. Okay. Did you and Izora know each other before? Did you audition for this? Did they hire you separately? How did that even happen? 
No, I knew Izor because we sang in a gospel group. Mm. And we also sang in different gospel choirs in San Francisco. So we would have musicals yeah. on particular Sunday afternoons. So that's how I knew Izor. Okay. And funny enough, Funny enough, her church and my church were right next door to each other. Oh, no way. The only, yeah, the only thing that separated it was a little small walkway alley. That uh, We could hear each other's services going on if you if you lifted up both okay. of the windows. Wild. No way. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, I had known her for a long time, and I brought her into uh, um, audition for Sylvester. Okay. He had already, he had already hired me. Okay. And asked me if I knew of somebody else that could do background and, you know, was kind right. of large like uh -huh. me. And I said, yeah. And uh, brought in uh, Isaiah probably a couple of days later or so because he was getting ready to go into the studio and put down put down some songs, I yeah. guess, as demos or whatever. Okay. But, uh, yeah, and then we went into the studio a few days later and uh, laid down a song with him. Okay. You know, I'll be honest. I... I don't know how to talk about some of that that period of your career without it feels insensitive to say things like two tons of fun or bigger ladies or whatever it might be. So forgive me if I I, I I'm just using the terminology that's, that's out there, but that, that, that's what we were. I know, and and it it feels so out of touch with today's. I, I don't feel like that would ever happen today, and yet it did then. When oh, it still does, please. Really? It, I, okay. Oh yeah. Oh okay. yeah. Okay. Yeah, please. But how does that? You know, when when Sylvester or someone does he hear your voice and he thinks that's the voice I want, and I don't care if it comes in a bigger body, or was he thinking if I can get two bigger black ladies behind me, that's going to look interesting or be interesting? Do you know what the thinking was there? It, no, but it could have been both of what you just said. Mm. Okay. It, yeah. it could have been both of what you just said. Okay. Yeah. Did you, um, I mean, did you have any qualms about any of this? Did it ever bother you? I feel like that's a really natural question to ask somebody about that. Being labeled two times a sign? Yeah, you know, a bigger lady. Well, well, no, because okay. again, we were, um, and it's, it's been, I guess, over the past maybe 10 years or so that looking back on it during that time, you did not see hmm. large women singing background at all. So that I want to say in a way we were kind of the first of that era to be large yeah. black background singing females. Yeah. No, because before that, you really didn't see you didn't see it on TV. I don't think you saw it in live shows. The only large person I want to say probably at that time that people knew of was Mama Cass mm, mm -hmm. from the Mamas and the Papas. Yeah, you're right. I you know it's as somebody I, you know I'm 46, so a lot of that happened before I was really cognizant of pop music and stuff like that. All right. But I, but as I was growing up and became more into music, I of course I knew it's raining men and all that kind of stuff. And that story has always, it's never sat well with me. But when you tell it like that, you I hadn't thought of that before. It's actually the reverse. It's two ladies owning their personas and doing, right. it, pr and doing it proudly. 
and that's right. That's being true. an inspiration for other large women or whatever, you know, just being different, yeah. letting it flow, yeah. right? True, very true. I had not thought yeah. of it that way. Okay, good. That mm -hmm. take, that is great. So when when are you starting to become approached? Who approaches you and says, "Let's take the two of you guys and start making some two tons of fun records"? Who did that? Harvey Harvey Fuqua, who was okay. the best uh, producer. He said he said, "Okay, it's it, it's time for you two to put out an album." Yeah. And I, we hadn't thought about it, not really, you know. And so we went in and and did the first uh, two tons album, and it uh, it did well. We had about two or three hits off of uh, off of that first album. It's so it it's well. so fun. I love disco music, and that those two tons of funs album for people who don't know. I just want to put in a plug. There is some solid, excellent disco jams on those albums. They are great. Right. Those, most of those songs were written by uh, Eric Robinson, who wrote Dance Disco Heat mm. with Professor. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah so, yeah, so he wrote a lot of the just about all the songs, except for Taking Away Your Space. Sylvester wrote that one. Okay. Um, but yeah, there were some good songs on there. Were you, uh, were you and Isora ever more interested in possibly going more down a gospel route, or were you happy to do whatever? We were happy to do whatever. Okay. You know, okay. and with the success of of the first album, we went back in and did the second album called Back At You.
it's also a great album. Yeah. Yeah, it didn't do as well as the first one, but it, you know, it got our names out there, mm -hmm. and uh, we started building a, a fan base from there. Mm -hmm. You know, find, finding new fans. Yeah. The ones that were with Sylvester, they followed us as well. You know. Mm -hmm. When you was kind of more. Were you playing? Dance clubs, gay clubs. What were you opening for Diana Ross or something? What was it like? What were you doing exactly? We sometimes we would open for Sylvester, depending okay. on the show. Okay. Uh, we would do we were doing our own shows as well, uh, so that was fun. Okay. It, I mean, it was it was different because instead of us being in the background, we were uh -huh. now in the forefront. Right. You know, and and that's a whole other different uh, animal. You know. Yeah. But it, it it's all it's all it's all a learning experience. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. all a learning experience. Yeah. You know, I, I think what it was, I think marketing had a slight problem trying to figure out how to market it. Uh, I would I would say, mm -hmm. you know, with the name Two Sons of Fun, it's a it's a catchy name, but mm -hmm. how do we market it? Yeah, you know yeah. that kind of thing. Okay. Where I've always been curious when you, because where in the world do people tend to love disco the most? Oh, good grief! Real, real. I, I, I'm guessing yeah, it's probably Europe or something. You tell me. Well, yeah, I would say yes. Disco music. Well, people still, it's people in the states still love disco music, even though they said disco sucks, uh -huh. <laughs> which is totally, totally stupid. But uh, because it's still being played. Yeah. But I'd have to say more so Europe, only because Europe is larger than the United States. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, you know, yeah. they they still play it. It's just morphed into all these different subgenres now. Right. You know, it, it's, your, it's your EDMs now. Yeah, yeah. You know. Yep. Yeah, I was curious where you felt like you were most warmly received in this world, even today? Well, I'm gonna say Europe. Yeah, specifically where? Um, I wanna say the UK. Really? Okay. Yeah, and that's not just so much for disco, but artists, period. Mm. Artists who have been around for a long time, who people don't necessarily pay attention to here anymore. Right. They, you know, decades ago, people were moving to Europe. They lived, they thrived, their careers have thrived, and some of them have never looked back and have never, have not come home yet. <laughs> right, right. Seriously, right. you know, yeah. and, and, and it, it has been like that for decades. Yeah. You find, you know, you ask about an artist. I wonder what happened to that particular artist. Mm -hmm. Well, that artist is, is living in another country, uh, living very well, and the careers are still yeah. as strong as ever. But you won't hear a peep out of them if they were back in the States. <laughs> that is so funny you say that. I talked to George McRae recently. And, uh -huh. you know, one of the biggest one-hit wonders of all time, especially of the disco era. And he lives in, I think, Amsterdam. Or something like okay. that. Okay. And yeah, uh -huh. same kind of thing. This, uh, you know, people over there love him, and and exactly. they they love that song here. But who's to say he would be able to main, you know, pay his bills as greatly exactly. as he does? 
So he lives in like Amsterdam or the Netherlands or something like that. It was so exactly. interesting. Yeah. But you'll find a lot, a lot of artists that you wonder where are they? Well, they've been living in Europe for decades. Yeah. Do do maybe doing their same song, you know, yeah. their their hit, or recording new new music and have become a star yeah. in that particular country. That's so true. Yes. Yes, when they come back to the United States, they'll say, "Who? Yeah, who? Yeah. <laughs> I've never, I've, I've never heard of them." Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yeah, Europe will take all of the artists that go over there. That's great. That's yeah. great. So, and uh, so along the way, I mean, you know, the two tons of fun changes that gets the name changed to the Weather Girls. Is it essentially the exact same thing, just with a new name, or is the new name also uh, signaling a new style or a new direction? I mean, the '80s brought about different production styles, so the the music does sound different. Yeah, uh, it all had to do with Paul Javara. Okay. Who wrote Who wrote "It's Raining Men" with uh, Paul Schaefer? Yeah. invited us over to his house uh, one day for lunch. We were, I think we were done a show in Los Angeles. And he said, I want you to come over for lunch. And so we went over, had lunch, and we were in his living room, and he played the song, Raining Men. And he mm -hmm. said, I need you to record this song. And I said, you've got to be kidding. <laughs> he said, no, I need you to record this song. He said, Barbara Streisand had turned it down, Diana Ross turned it down, Donna Summer turned it down. And somebody else turned it down. And we said, Paul, we can't record this song. I don't think anybody's going to buy it. Yeah. You know? Really? It he, didn't sound like it yeah. hit to you? Huh. Nope. Okay. Well, looking back on it now, yeah, but then, no. Yeah, okay. <laughs> he, said, he said, he kept saying, I need you mm. to record this song. This song is going to be a hit. And we kind of relented. And I think two days later, we went in the studio, Larrabee Sound, and came out in about 90 minutes and said, okay, see you later, Paul, and walked on off. 
Yeah, he was the one who uh, really, really pushed the song. He would go around to particular clubs and ask the DJ to play the acetate. Huh. Now, did he, when you, you were stressing the, I need you to, was there a reason for that? Yeah, because he said it was going to be a hit. He said what? He said it was going to be a hit. Oh, okay. I didn't know if like, he's like, you know, I, I'm in debt to the mafia or something. You know, I don't know what the story is. Okay. No, he just said, I need he, it was in a like in in, in a, a begging tone, you know. Yeah, I yeah. need you to record this song. Okay. And I okay. <laughs> and we, you know, again, like I said, we kind of relented, got everything together, and went in the studio maybe two days later and did it and said, "Okay, see you." All right. And, All that, right. and that was it. And and the song was, it was a hit in the club long before radio even picked up on it. Really? Probably months. Months, yeah. Months. Huh. Was, oh, yeah. Uh, did you know Paul Jabara, Jabara before any of this, or was this all in, like, the first introductory meeting? If you don't remember, like it's okay. we had, we had known, Yeah, we had known each other, but not in, you know, like, that close or anything like that. Yeah. But some kind of way he invited us over for lunch. Wow. And it, it, that, that was under the pretext of yeah. I need you to record this song. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Now that song, I mean, uh, it's raining men is kind of another famous sort of a one hit wonder as well. I don't, I, I think I read somewhere that the song success was the follow up single. Is that right? But for for all intents and purposes, the song was the single first. Uh-huh. And then what happened was after the song became such a success, he was with Columbia Records. Hmm. And we wound up doing three things. We moved from the West Coast to the East Coast. Uh -huh. We changed our names from Two Tons of Fun to The Weather Girls. And we signed with Columbia Records. Okay. That's what that's what that whole reigning men did for us. Got it. So the intention originally was not, was it it was meant to be a single, and I believe so. Yeah. Okay, and it started to pick up steam, and then they thought, well, let's make a whole album out of this. I I'm trying to I'm trying to remember. Paul was working on his he was working on an album as well, mm. and we were he was his album was called Paul Jabbar and Friends. Mm. 
and we were on there. Uh, Whitney Houston was on there. I think Patty Austin. I'm, try, I'm trying to remember. I can't remember. Okay. But yeah, he, yeah, his his friends, his show business friends that he wanted on his album. But in the meantime, we recorded the success album. Yeah. Okay. Which had, which I believe had Rain Man on there. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Okay. And there were a couple of more, but they were less successful, obviously. But around this time, I think you start doing some, and maybe you had been doing backup singing all along, but you're on uh, Freeway of Love, Aretha Franklin's Freeway of Love, correct? Nope. You're not? Uh, I read that somewhere. I am not. Okay. I know that's false. <laughs> that is false. Are you on that album somewhere and I just have the wrong not song? Not at all. Really? Not at all. I wish I was, but uh -huh. not at all. I read that somewhere. Nope. It was probably Wikipedia I know. or something. I know. Yeah, it's totally, totally wrong. Trust me, I remember that. I believe no, it. I'm not, on, I'm not on. I wish I had been on some of her albums, but no. Okay. No. Did you mm -hmm. ever cross paths with Aretha? I had a chance to meet her twice, and each time something happened, and I couldn't meet her. Really? Yes. Oh. Yes. Twice, twice. I oh. never got the chance to meet her. He had long work with her. Okay. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Oh, that's too bad. And she was, she was really somebody that because people would ask me, well, who would you like to record with? I probably would always say Aretha Franklin. Absolutely. And yeah. And I just never got that, never got that opportunity. But she's, she was one of my greatest influences. Absolutely. Um, as far as singing. Yeah, yeah. I could totally hear that. Um, so after the success then of It's Raining Men, I mean, the next, I don't maybe the next high profile thing would be CNC Music Factory, but there's like six or seven years in there. What are you doing during those during that time? How are you paying we're, your bills? We're doing shows. We're working. Are you really? Okay. Oh, so yeah. The Weather Girls are out there touring and successfully exactly and, okay exactly okay yes okay yes. um is it uh you know the fortunes of the weather girls start to peter out after a while are you noticing that as it's happening are you thinking boy this just we're not recapturing that you know number one single feel again or, or are you like this is great we're being professional musicians i love it how are you feeling we're being professional musicians. <laughs> we're we're out there working. Yeah, you're happy to pay your bills as a musician. Doing, you know, do, doing shows. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know, periods would get slow and everything, but we would still we sometimes have to wait it out. Yeah. Yeah. Depending on the year. <laughs> yeah. But but in the meantime, we no, we were still working. Okay. Okay. Um, so tell us then how gonna make you sweat happens um i know a lot of the story but i want to hear it from you um my understanding at least is that the vocals that are included on that song were not necessarily recorded for that song i think you were just i don't know sing, you can correct me singing a demo or something like that and they got used how did all tell us the story of that song oh god okay um i'm gonna have to condense it because that's fine it's it, it, it uh-huh the song was going to be used, I thought, as a demo. Okay. I went in and and put the put the uh, put the vocals down and just left and didn't trip on it anymore. And later on, I heard that the song came out. 
I heard the song and then no, this was supposed to be for somebody else. Mm-hmm. Another artist. That's what I was told. Mm. Now, whether it was right or wrong, I don't know, but that's what I was told. Then the song blew up. Yeah. And then the music video uh, came out mm. and that made it even worse. In totality, looking back on it, I've always thought in my mind could have been I could be right I could be wrong I think that it was released as the single for an album Mm. the album wasn't finished yet but they had to capitalize on the single Mm. which makes sense but it was Mm. done in the wrong way it was just done in the wrong way I don't know I don't know if it had to do with the producers and the record label, I don't know all that. Mm. These, these are all things that I've thought about in the past mm-hmm. regarding the whole situation, but I think it was bottom line handled wrong. Yeah. So then here we are later, I have to sue because mm-hmm. it was just totally, totally wrong. Mm-hmm. And it, it took a while, but it was settled. And uh, I even went back, I guess a year later or so, yeah. and recorded, recorded on the next album. And then went out on went out on tour. You did? You toured that, with CNC? Yeah. Oh no way. Yeah, I I did some shows with them. I okay. most certainly did. Okay. And that was until uh uh David Cole, uh who was ill, passed yeah. away. Yeah. And then after that it kind of disbanded, kinda yeah. dispersed. Okay. You know. Okay. Um but yeah. I I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if uh, asking you who you lay the blame on is probably the wrong way to do it, but my understanding was you were right. not you were not credited at all on the album or any or on the video right. or anything like that. Um, right. If, if you went back with them, maybe you had a good enough relationship with C and C 
that you don't necessarily blame them for this? Do you think it was a record label decision to kind of cut you out of all of that? That part, again, I, I can only speculate. Yeah. Everything I'm saying, I can only speculate on. Okay. And that's in, that's in hindsight. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That, that, that's my feeling. And again, like I said, I could be right, I could be wrong. Right. But that's, that's how I kind of summed it all up. Mm -hmm. And you know what? It's been 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. Okay. I have moved so fast. I'm sure you have. I'm sure you have. <laughs> I'm so sure you have. But that's a that was a landmark decision. I mean, uh, and this happened to you a couple of times. I think, I think Black Box failed to credit you accurately on everybody. Everybody. Hey gang, let me break in here for a minute. I wanted to read off some more reviews to say thank you, our way of saying thank you to any and all of you that go to the trouble of writing such things. Thank you so much. Um, I try to keep this to about three or four per episode, so let me get started here. This one is from Megan MW, and it's five stars, and it's called Excellent Music Podcast. I only recently came across this podcast via the Pods and Sods Network. Nice. I've been on there a ton lately, and I have been binging ever since. The hustle has reinvigorated my deep love of all the details behind the music that I grew up on. John's passion and enthusiasm for the music of those that he talks to often has me listening, often has me listening to things I overlooked and am now so happy to be finally hearing. That is perfect. I highly recommend this podcast to anyone who particularly wants more insight into the music of Generation X. Perfect, Megan. Thank you. Uh, this one is from Bracktune9. Can an interview podcast be unique? Is the question five stars? Yes, it can. It is so compelling to have a podcast focused on interviewing mu musicians after the limelight has faded. John's questions get quite personal, at <laughs> quite personal at times. Some guests seem put off when he tries to dig deep, and some seem to relish the chance to really open up. Both scenarios are fascinating. <laughs> well, good, good. I, I think that's a good thing. I mean, I know it's a good thing. I hope it's a good thing for them too. Thank you, Bracktoon. And then 35 Street Magic. I feel like we read something from 35 Street Magic before. Maybe they sent another one? Or maybe I'm just misremembering. Anyway, uh, I don't know who they are, but more a, more producer, more producers from the 70s and 80s, five stars. Love this podcast. I have listened to almost every episode. Please more awesome 70s and 80s artists, in parentheses, Pet Shop Boys, Depeche Mode, Erasure, Heart, and producers. I would love to talk to all of those people as well. Um, I don't know if they talk to me. Maybe I need to be a bigger deal. Maybe some of them would. I don't know. Um, I would love to talk to all four of those bands. We've certainly discussed them often enough in other episodes on here. And uh, I, I hear from so many of you, I'm so glad that you like the producer episodes. Those are among my favorite too. It's funny because um, I remember, I think Steve Thompson was the first one who talked to me. And I remember telling him, I, I always try to get pro producers on here and they won't do it. They won't talk to me. And ever since Steve, it sort of opened up a little bit. And so now when I reach out to like a Dave Bascom or a Rupert Hine or a Ron Nevison or whatever, I'm able to say, hey, I also had Mark Opitz on here or Keith Shacklock or whatever. And they know each other. And so it works. So I'm really lucky that way. I'm working on... I think I may have mentioned this last week. I'm working on talking to another producer who did a lot of 
like alternative rock of the 80s and 90s. Kind of like Michael Beinhorn, only less grungy, probably. Anyway, um, I'll get back to you on that. We're still coordinating. It hasn't happened yet, but I'm hoping that it will happen soon. Also, I always need to put in a plug for the shirts. Um, just go on Amazon, search up uh, the Hustle Podcast merch, and there should be shirts and sweatshirts and pop sockets and whatever else. I heard from a couple of people this. I mentioned last week my hesitation with starting a Patreon page, and I heard from a couple people who were like, just go ahead and do it. Don't worry about that. We're happy to contribute. That means a lot. My fear, my fear honestly, is that I'm going to mis- misjudge this situation, and I'm going to start the Patreon page, and like six of you are going to donate a dollar a month, and which would be still be humbling. Don't get me wrong. But half of those six are going to be like my mom and my mother-in-law and probably me paying myself back. Anyway, that's what worries me. <laughs> that's what worries me. And uh, so I don't know. I mean, like I've said, I don't have a lot of things to give away. Um, when I do, I, you know, I try to do that, but the things we give away are just these episodes, I guess. And I, I hope that's valuable to everybody. I think it is, but you know, is it enough to merit you guys contributing to a Patreon on a regular basis? I don't know. I just feel conflicted about it. Maybe I'll just go ahead and do it. And if we make six bucks a month, so what, you know, it's not about that. It's just, uh, offsetting some of the costs would be nice. And, uh, you know, feeling more connected and more engaged with all of you is what it's really all about. Uh, speaking of which I've mentioned, um, if you're not paying attention to our Facebook page, um, I don't know how many of you are on Facebook. I have started in an effort to try and, uh, again, increase the level of engagement with everybody. Um, I've started, (laughs) I've started one posting pictures of the concerts I go to. I've always done that on my personal page. And, uh, someone had probably, I think it was Andy Shaw recently said, you should post those on the Facebook page too. I thought, okay, I will. So that's what I've been doing. I, so whenever I go to a concert, I'll take a picture and put it on there. So you guys know what I'm up to. And then also I've started doing this daily poll, you know, who do we like better, this band or this band? And it, there it's, you know, it, uh, we get a 150 responses or whatever every day. And it's kind of fun. So anyway, uh, it's just a way for me to just let you guys know we're here, help you feel engaged. Plus, you know, Facebook has the weirdest algorithm, does it not? Like sometimes I'll post on there and no one sees anything. And if you post, like I think, I don't know for sure, but it seems to me that if you post too many things too close together, that one might cannibalize the other. And so I try to be really careful about how many times I post in a day. I um, actually don't need to do it that often, but I, again, I'm just trying to, you know, build in some engagement. So anyway, long way of saying, if you want to, if you're not on following our Facebook page and you want to get in there, cause there's some fun stuff happening now that there may not have been happening before. Okay. Anyway, uh, I think that's pretty much everything. Um, there's a recap episode that will probably answer a lot of questions. Check that out. And, uh, yeah. Anyway, let's get back to Martha. On the whole Dreamland album, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, this is this yeah. happens to you like three times or something within the span of a few years, and you fight right. back. And now you've set the right. standard for people like you to be credited accurately going forward. Yeah. You have, you have, to, you have to give whoever is on there featuring. That has to be on there, hmm. uh, on, hmm. on the credits, uh, whether it's video, music, whatever yeah. that you're dealing with. 
Yeah. There, there, there is a legislation about that, and that's credited actually to my attorney. You know, okay. but yeah, because yeah, he had he had to go in and and argue, right, the point right. about it. But that's why whoever whoever the artist is and they're featuring somebody else, that other person has to be featured in print at some kind of way. Sure. Um, and yeah. I, I, I should mention the other one too. Seduction had a hit with You're My One and Only True Love and you are actually the one singing that song. That that was actually before. Yeah. The CNC. Uh, That's thing. right. Yeah. I got my my timeline wrong, but still, these are three giant things yeah. happening in a row to you. How are you <laughs> feeling about that? That's got to be just so disheartening. Well, yeah. I mean, at the time, exactly. You know, yeah. and it's and then it started to pick up press, and it was still also along the same time that Millie Vanilli had to return mm-hmm. their Grammy. Yeah, that's right. So that was a crazy. That's true. You know, people were people were more focused on that story than ours, but then ours came in a very very close second. Right. You know. Now, if I understand correctly, and again, just tell me if I'm. I hope that none of this is too insensitive or anything. But my understanding was that not only were you not being credited on albums. But were you not even receiving royalties for these things as well? Well, that was all ironed out. It was. Okay. That was all ironed out, yes. But prior to yes. the court case, for instance, Everybody Dance Now became gigantic. But so, but prior to the court case, are you, you're not, not only you're not being credited, but are you not even being paid for the success of this song until after the court case? Correct. Okay. Oh my gosh. Well, then you're like the Rosa Parks of, you know, background singer legislation. I mean, you know this, right? <laughs> that's oh, not, God. It's true. That's not fair. And you fought it and you won. And things are better now, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. Right? Time, look, times have really changed. Yeah. This, this music business is a trip. <laughs> oh my gosh the the way you say that has i can tell 45 years of experience to back up the way you made that statement it is so true and you that's why i've wanted to talk to you specifically martha because i know you have seen sides and experienced 
parts of this business that are so crazy and they're not yeah. I mean, as crazy as this business is yeah. you've hit angles of it that no one else quite has you know what i mean <laughs> You have a point. Oh my gosh! Jeez. <laughs> and okay. I'm still here to talk about it. That's right. That's right. Okay. Um, oh God. Yes. Now talking about being still here, I absolutely. absolutely I, let's talk about some of the newer stuff because I absolutely yeah. love your Something Good album. It came out in 2013. Oh, I love it. It's 20 came out in 2013. And for anyone who hasn't heard this thing, I just want to say it is there's no dance beats. It's all organic yep. instrumentation. It reminds you of something that like Sheryl Crow or Taylor Swift or somebody. It's more of like almost a pop rock album in a way yes, with your exactly. voice on it, you know? Exactly. Pop rock. Exactly. Yes. It is exactly. fantastic. Just wanted to go in a, in a different direction. I bet. I have always said that I never wanted to be pigeonholed into just one type of music. And most people know me from the disco, the dance music, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to go into something just totally different. So, mm -hmm. I mean, there are remixes on some of those songs, mm -hmm. but the album itself is more rock and pop. Uh, the cover song of uh, Dream On yeah. by Aerosmith. Oh, so good. Every time when I look in the mirror All these lines on my face getting clearer The past is gone
you know, if somebody said, I didn't know she recorded that, but somebody said they thought that that was the original version really? of Dream On. <laughs> and I'm saying, oh, somebody needs to, <laughs> that person needs to Google that song, okay? Right. Seriously. Yeah. Seriously, yeah. They thought that that was the original version of that song. But yeah, it was... Um, Again, something that I wanted to do different, and the even the new the new album that's coming out uh, called Love and Conflict. Oh, I didn't know that. That's, okay. Yeah, uh, trying to finish working on it. It'll be released in February, okay. February first of twenty twenty. Great. And the new single, uh, Like Fire is out now. Oh, it's so good. I listened to it today. Oh, man, it's good. Yeah. You're going down with me. Ooh, you're going down with me. If you can't feel love, we'll drown in this pool of lust together. You play nice and clean. Ooh, pretty nice and clean. While I'm clear about my ways, you play yours undercover. Like pearls set from grains of sand. You turn solid ground into quicksand. I try to understand. And spiral down in stormy weather. You say that I'm the one. Own up and be the one. The more we care, the more we share. A world of hidden treasure. So we can feel it. Make a pact and mean it. Better change your act. Cause here's a fact. You're looking at your only lover. Into lust, we drown deeper breath. We bounce back on the beat, deliver love from the nether. On uh, on uh, iTunes and, yep. and all those major platforms and stuff. That, again, that's another kind of different direction. That's more blues. Yeah. I call it a gumbo. It's, Ooh, it's a like gumbo of, of of different sounds. Some sixties sounding, another blues, yeah. rock. You know, just a little bit of everything. I, again, I think people were very surprised that the Something Good album, they're definitely going to be surprised <laughs> until the fifth one. Well, good. But I think they'll like it. You know, sometimes you kind of have to drag your audience with you. Agreed. Yeah. When you make those, those, those turns and things, because they're so used to hearing you do one type of music that they can't see you or hear you doing any other type of music so sometimes sometimes you just have to kind of drag them along come on it's going to be fine you know, <laughs> just, li right. just listen to it you'll get used to it come on now yeah and then you know then there are others that say it doesn't matter what she sings you know i'm gonna buy it yeah. and you know those those fans i love because their minds are open enough that they can say hmm well this is different, but you know what? I kind of like it. Yeah. You know, those are the ones that you want to have as fans that keep their minds open enough, and they like different genres of music as well. 
mm-hmm. you know, and so they're they're kind of along for the ride, and and that I appreciate as being an artist because a lot of times you'll find artists become stagnant mm-hmm. in the type of music that they're doing mm-hmm. because of the record company. Yeah, you know their their bottom line is dollars and cents. So if you're doing a particular type of music that's making them dollars and cents, why do you think they would want you to do another kind of music? Yeah. You know, you're you're cutting into their bottom line. That's right. Yeah. You you may be their artist, but you still have to bring in the dollars and cents. So that kind of stagnates the, the artist. Yeah. Well, see, I'm, I'm indie. I have my own record label. There you go. So yeah. I put out my own music on Purple Rose Records and put it out when I want to and do the kind of music that I feel like doing whenever I feel like doing it. That's great. And uh, yeah. you, touched, you touched on this. It's, it is a reminder that Martha Wash is an artist. She's not just a hired hand singer or, um, I mean, you're one of the greatest voices of all time. I think people, I mean, you've earned that reputation. I think people know that, but it's so always so associated with disco or dance music or whatever. At the heart of all of that, Martha Wash is still an artist and she has her own creative desires and urges that she needs to do what she wants to do sometimes. And stuff like this, exactly. something good is a is a reflection of that. And it's fantastic, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Zach Adams. Yeah. Uh, wrote a lot of the songs and produced it. So he's been great to work with. Good. Uh, he worked, yeah, he works with uh, First Ladies of Disco, uh, putting out the, the last two songs that came out for First Ladies of Disco as well. So it's been a good, it's been a good partnership. Good. Working with him. Good. Yeah. I wanted to mention uh, and talk about the First Ladies of Disco. I had Linda Clifford on here last year. And she okay. was she was the best. She was such <laughs> she is such a great lady. We had such a good conversation. And uh, She's crazy as hell. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see her the crazy side. She was just so nice and sweet with me. <laughs> oh, she is crazy as hell. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, how's that going? And I think did you start this? Was it your idea to get these ladies together? Well, I'm 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 partnered with uh, James Washington, who actually came up with the idea, okay. and it's based on a book called First Ladies of Disco uh, by James Arena. Uh, I and, know him. Yes. Uh, yeah, a yeah. uh, great guy, great mm-hmm. guy, and the books are fantastic. Yep. They really, really are. The whole series is great for people who love music. They can find artists that they've probably forgotten about yeah. from the from the 70s all the way up into the 2000s. Yep. And uh, so James Washington was the one who came up with the idea. And he said, you know what, we need to take some of these ladies and see if we can put a group together. So we've been doing this for the last almost five years now. Mm. And it, it's been fun. It's a rotating show. Um, and I'm kind of like the anchor of the okay. show. Okay. So we have Linda. Uh, we've had Evelyn Champagne King. We just worked with Thelma Houston. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had Anita Ward come in. Uh, Janice Marie Johnson. Yeah. And so it's been it, it, it's been 
It's been fun. And it's a great show because these are artists who are still out here working. Mm-hmm. And we're recording, but you don't hear yeah. their names necessarily anymore. Yeah. You know, so yeah. we've kind of given kind of given them a platform to record again, yeah. get back out there. You know, each one has their own they you know, they still have our, we still have our own careers and everything, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. when you put us all together, it's a great show. And sometimes people have said, well, I remember that song, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I didn't realize she was the one that recorded it. Yeah, You know, so mm-hmm. it kind of brings back memories of the, the disco era right. into today, as well as the music that they're doing today, yeah. you know, in their individual careers. Yeah. So we've we've been having a blast doing it. It's been great. And you guys are um, going on. There's a tour, or I'm sorry, a cruise, I believe, in February. Is that right? Yeah, the ultimate disco cruise. We will be on the show with ten thousand other artists. Really? <laughs> oh, I might have to go on this cruise. I've never been on a cruise, and this might be the one. <laughs> oh my God! You've never been on a cruise? No, I haven't. I always oh. want to. Well, you should go. I know. You should go. It's going to be so many artists on there, and a lot of them I know, and I won't be able to see all of them, you know, because <laughs> right. it, it, it's the lineup is so vast. Yeah. But it's it, it's really going to be a great. It's going to be a rocking ship. I'll put it like that. I believe it. I yeah. Believe it. Yeah. I always I want to go on a cruise and I want to go on one of these music themed cruises, you know, because there's a you lot of should. them. There. But you should. I want to, but I don't think my wife wants to go, and so I uh, I need to kind of talk her into it. You know, that's the thing I'm afraid is I have to talk my wife into going to one, indulging me on one of these music cruises. It's got to be or, the disco one. Or if she doesn't want to go, get. Give one of your best friends and you guys go. I should. I should. I should find somebody else because it's going to be fun. Yeah. I should or, do you that. know, get a couple of your buddies, two or three of you guys, yeah. four, and, and, and just make it a fun time. That would be great. I should do that. Tell your wife, tell your wife you will be good. <laughs> I will. I will be good. Yeah. <laughs> nice. No, but it's going to be fun. Yeah. It, it's going to be fun. Okay. The only, <laughs> I will be on the ship, but I won't be going out with the ship. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, you mean like partying? You're going to perform and then go back to your little cabin? Well, kind of, sort of, yes. Okay. I'll, be okay. off, I'll be off the ship. But, <laughs> look, I have, I have done cruises before. My only problem is <laughs> I get seasick. Yeah, uh, okay. I... <laughs> I had a feeling. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do. I have, I have done the cruises and I realized that me and that much water does not work out very well. <laughs> it does not work. We, there's something about it. It does not work very well for me. So this is it. my first time, time doing a cruise in 20 years. Really? Oh, yes. no way. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yes. We're going to have to get you some Dramamine. I'm, honey, I've tried all that. Really? I've tried work? that. I've tried. Nope. 
I tried the rubber band. I tried all that stuff. It just does not work for me. And it's only when I'm on a boat. Oh, no way. Only. Really? Yeah. Seriously. Oh, man. I have tri- I've tried all that. But I will be on the ship. Okay. I will be participating. I will be doing the show. <laughs> but I but but I can't go the rest of the way with you. Okay, okay. <laughs> classic. We still have a good time now. Oh, I believe it. I believe it. No kidding. Oh, that's great. Okay. Um. So what? Like, what's a day in the life of Martha Wash these days? And one of the things we touch on on here sensitively is sort of the business side of things. And I'm, you know, I don't get to talk to as many backup singer backup singer feels like the wrong word for you even it feels much bigger than that but you know you've been involved in so much music and so many big what is it number i think it's 12 number one dance songs more dance songs than anyone in history or something like 50 something top 40 dance songs how do you do you i mean does that provide a nice living for you do you uh you know are you what do you how's life i guess is what i want to know you know life is oh honey life is busy <laughs> life, life is, is busy is it okay Ooh, yes lord life is busy between the record label and my production company it's busy yeah, yeah cuz i'm 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 trying to get the the album finished and trying to work on the next episode of 10 minutes with martha wash yeah i was going to mention yeah. that anyone should get on youtube yeah. and watch these episodes they're great well besides youtube we're on dc tv oh we're in brooklyn on brick uh brick tv and getting ready to go into another platform with these shows so it's it's growing. The little okay. 10 minutes of Martha Wash is definitely growing. And it's been fun. Plus, oh God, I forgot about the magazine, FLOD Spotlight Magazine. What? That's, yes, FLOD Spotlight Magazine. Yes, that's a, that's a digital magazine oh. as well. And are you, um, are you the editor of it or something like that? Or are you behind it somehow? Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah, it's it's through my production. Oh, FLOD, First Ladies of Disco. Got it. Okay. Correct. I'm, I'm not very yes. smart, Martha. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it took me a minute. <laughs> Gosh. Uh, anyway. Yeah, so, yeah, there's a lot going on, but hey, you yeah. have to diversify nowadays, you know. Yeah. You have to keep things keep things moving in yeah. as many directions as possible. Uh, would oh, you, definitely. I believe it. Would you say you might even be busier now than maybe even back in the heyday? Absolutely. Really? I thought about that. Okay. I, I have thought about that. Yes, absolutely. Hmm. Absolutely. Definitely. Yeah, without question. Well, yeah, there, there's a whole lot of, well, there's a whole lot of more things. Mm-hmm to do now i yeah. mean for everybody you just you know you don't have to be in in, in music nowadays to diversify and, yeah. and do so many other different things i think there's more opportunities now yeah with especially with uh the media platforms that are out there now you know the internet and, and the youtube and all these other mm-hmm. other platforms that are out there people are you know, they're getting out there. They're getting in your face. Mm-hmm. All you need to do is 
click one button and somebody's right there in your yeah. face, yeah. you know, selling you something, selling you something, you know, so that true. kind of thing. Yeah. 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 So true. Well, it's yeah, a, but, it's a huge compliment to you that there is as much demand out there as there is to support you doing all these different things. Not every artist true. gets that gets that freedom, you know? There's not that much interest about yeah. a lot of people. That's that's very, very true. That, that's why I think you have to kind of, you have to keep yourself out there and, yeah. and keep reinventing yourself, as they say, you know, and finding other avenues of of putting yourself out there yeah. and, 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 you know, being seen in your name out there and all that stuff. And that's why there are so many more platforms now than there were previously. Yeah, yeah, it's so true. Um, okay, so let me, when you sit back and you're home in New York and you're working on First Ladies of Disco magazine and all this other stuff, when you sit back and you think about your career and all the amazing things that have happened to you, what is one of the stories that comes top of mind when you just think, I cannot believe that happened to me. What is that thing? First thing I would say was being at the White House. Really? Did you get to meet Obama? No, this was not. This is uh, President Clinton. Oh, Clinton had you over. Nice. Yes. Okay. I never did get a chance to meet uh, President Obama. Hmm. Wish I had. Yeah. But it just, yeah, that, that didn't work out. It's a funny story. I don't know if you remember when the first lady would do uh, Christmas at the White House mm -hmm. and it would be televised. Yep. Okay, well, this is when Clinton, the Clintons were in office and okay. it was their last their last year in office. So Mrs. Clinton was showing the White House and the Christmas decorations and, you know, as they say, the special mm -hmm. that was going on. And I, they would usually air it on a Sunday night. <clears throat> Excuse me. That's all right. The, Tuesday, Tuesday morning, I get a phone call. This person says, would you like to sing at the White House? I said, uh, yeah. <laughs> and they made it happen. Uh -huh. So that Friday, a few days later, we were on a train to D.C. It was the, oh God, it was, I think it was the press court dinner that they had mm. every year. And it was in the tent on the, on the lawn, huge tent. I think it was about 500 people or so. Mm. The problem was it was a storm oh, no. that came in. So a lot I would say maybe a third possibly couldn't get in because of the storm. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, planes were grounded, things like that. So I guess if you didn't get in on a train, you weren't going to be there. Right. Because right. You, couldn't, you couldn't fly in. Uh-huh. Because there were some people that we knew that were coming in, they did not make it because mm. their plane could not take off. Oh, no. So we were there. Uh, the group that I was with, we were there. I performed, uh, Sister Sledge performed, nice. another gentleman performed, and it was very surreal to me walking through the White House because 
everything that I saw in person, I had seen about three, uh, four days earlier. Yeah. <clears throat> so that was the surreal part of being there and then performing for the president, Mrs. Clinton, and, yeah. and meeting all these celebrities and politicians and things like that, people that mm -hmm. I had seen on TV and, you know, uh, celebrities and all that other kind of stuff. It was just a very surreal experience. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah. Had a great time, but surreal nonetheless. I bet. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that sounds surreal. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I'm curious too, and I ask this sometimes, I'm curious if you, when you look back on your career, if you have any regrets about anything, is there, did you make any decisions along the way or that you look back and think, you know, if I hadn't done that, it, something might've turned out better or different? I'm sure there are some, but I, I try not to dwell on them only because if, I had made those other decisions, mm -hmm. then I would possibly not be where I am right now. Yeah, yeah. So I have to say, it worked this way for a reason. Yeah. I, I'm in this particular space and time for a reason. You know, anything yeah. in the past could have changed the whole outcome and I could be doing something different. Um, I could be in fact, not even here. Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of, I don't so much live in regret or think back about uh, things that could have been different because it's what, what has happened is all been for where I am right now. Yeah. Yeah. Good, good, bad, or indifferent. Right. It's where I am right now. Yeah. You know, and I'm, I'm, I'm grateful uh, that I am where I am right now. Sure, things could be better, but look, things could also be very, very so worse. Yeah. So true. You know? Yeah. So I always try to look on the upside of things. Yeah. Um, my parents are gone. I'm almost the last one left. I have an older sister and I take care of her. Oh, okay. So, you know, it's just me and her right now. Yeah. And, um, look, that's, that's, I just keep it moving as best I can. Moving. Got it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Does your sister live with you? Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, look, Martha, I, um, I've had a fat, you're the best. I mean, you're one of the greatest voices that have ever been and you're, career is a roller coaster ride but at the end of it all it's a story of success and redemption i think you know and um and, yeah. and we've established you're somewhat of a pioneer too and so <laughs> I, I really i i mean that i'm really i just thought you would have the most fascinating story and i'm so grateful you shared it with me thank you well it's been my pleasure it's been my pleasure definitely thank you there you have it martha wash Pretty neat lady. She's accomplished a lot. Uh, First Ladies of Disco is out there. Look that up. I'm going to include the link to the First Ladies of Disco and the Ultimate Disco Cruise in the show notes. So you're play, wherever you're playing this, there should be links in the show description. Just tap on those if you want more information, okay? I want to close it out with... 
I was torn because there are so many great songs in her arsenal that we could have played, all those dance hits, number one hits and everything like that, but I really wanted to showcase something else off of something good. So we're playing the title, the first track, All Right, off of that album. It's really, really special. I hope you guys will check it out. Now, next week, we are going back to sort of alternative rock of the 80s. In this case, uh, this band... Well, when they first started out, they were sort of known as the the American Clash. And then success came along and sort of changed their sound. And just as they got successful, it all sort of ended. They had one big MTV hit in the early 80s that you'll know as soon as you hear it. And that's it. And then this guy uh, who was a member of that band goes on to manage people who you know. Uh, big people. So anyway, it's a little bit of everything. We talk about his career. We talk about the careers of the people he manages. Um, there's a lot to unpack in that episode. I think you're going to like it. Huge thanks, as always, to my right-hand man, Jan the Man Makevich, for all that you do. Thank you, buddy. You guys know how to find us by now. You can find us on Facebook. You can like our page. You can send us a message on there. Or you can send us an email at thehustlepod at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Twitter at thehustlepod. Also, I should probably mention, uh, she name-dropped James Arena in here. Um, I think... I hope everyone is aware of these books of his. He has a series of books on disco music, both, uh, you know, greatest disco hits of Europe or di greatest disco hits in America or whatever they are. First ladies of disco, whatever it is. Um, they're really excellent. And I think if you like this kind of music, you might be interested in those books. So I just wanted, I'm not getting, I don't know James personally, although we're Facebook friends. Uh, I, I'm, there's no encouragement or you know, motivation for me to promote him or anything. But I thought if you like this kind of music and you don't know about those books, you might enjoy them. I would go, go grab them on Amazon or something. Just look up James Arena. Okay? Anyway, thank you guys. We'll talk to you next week. Oh, and look out this Friday for a bonus episode. Um, a pretty big name is coming back to talk about something they're up to. Anyway, a bonus episode coming out later this week. I think you guys are going to like it.